were down uh, in Fallon, Nevada. My mom and my sister lived down there. Fallon is a little farm town. It's about 70 miles east of Reno. It's also the Navy's top gun school. Kind of fun going there watch the airplanes just fly by, and about five seconds later, the sound catches up with it. Of course, you're dead by then. <laughs> They've got you. They're gone. You hear the sound. Oh, it was a jet. Um, yeah, it's really fun to watch those guys up there. So, yep. Where am I? Where am I? Who am I? What am I doing here? Let me see. So I wasn't here last week. So we stopped in verse number 7 of Romans chapter 13 two weeks ago. So I'm going to get us back up to speed a little bit, kind of catch up with everything, and then we'll, uh, we'll continue to go. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this day, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the, the privilege we have, Lord, and the miracle of your word, Father. Pray God help us to learn something today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Romans chapter number 13, who, knows, who remembers what that's about? It's about how to... Go ahead and say it. I'm going to say it. Following authority. Following authority, the law, yeah. Not the law, law, but man's law, the institution that God put in place. So let me just kind of cover these verses real quick, and then I'll get us back up to verse number eight, and we'll we'll continue on. So Paul talks about the conditions in Rome under tyranny, under Roman rule, and the Jewish, the Jews were oppressed. They've been oppressed for a long time. They were oppressed under Roman rule. They had to follow Roman laws. They had to respect Rome. Okay, They had to worry about Rome coming in and disrupting them if they got doing too much that, they didn't, that Rome didn't like. So they were, they were under the thumb. They were under pressure from Rome. They couldn't do what they wanted to do all the time. They had an attitude towards Rome. They tried several times uh, little insurrections here, insurrections there, and some violence here and there. Of course, in the final one in AD 70, they tried to a major insurrection, and they got, they got beat. They got beat down pretty bad. But Paul, in, in chapter 13, was, was encouraging the church in Rome, which is a mixture of Jews and Gentiles, encouraging them to submit to authority even if you don't like it. And we can all say, Amen. Well, we're not in Rome, but some folks do as the Romans do, and we, we feel the pressure sometimes. Okay? So the state, I'm not talking about this state, any state, any country, any place, any state as we call it, uh, is a divine institution existing by God's permission and God's authority. This state, other countries exist by God's permission and God's authority. God put human government in place. We think it came from Greece or Rome, you know, we have all these. No, God put that in place. He put in the thing called human government. That's what he put in place. Why did he do that? Anybody know? We're waiting for an answer from me. I can tell by your blank looks in your faces. For order. For order. Yes. yes. Law and order. Otherwise, we'd be, you would be back in Genesis chapter number 5. Everybody doing what they thought was best. That didn't last very long. That didn't do well. So it's to keep everybody to prevent chaos. To prevent Portland. <laughs> to prevent 
you know, right. people just going wild. Some kind of authority and law and order. So it is a responsibility we learned last or a couple weeks ago that responsibility of every Christian to submit to human authority unless it goes against God's law, God's word. If it goes against that, we can uh, say not, not for me. I've been looking through the Bible. I've been scaring the Bible where it should say, "Thou shalt not wear a mask." But that's that's in a different version or something. I don't know what it is. But well, it was nice driving through California and Nevada. You could see people's faces. We were shocked almost. That's a face. We haven't seen one for so long. Everybody's wearing those designer masks. We saw faces, real faces. People smiling and talking. You didn't have to go through a mask and through plexiglass and through another mask. It was nice. Once you got out of Oregon, it was great. Yeah, they're opened up down there. It's wonderful. Man. Can't wait. Can't wait. But we're waiting. Anyways. So it's our duty to submit to the law. Verse number four, we talked about the institution of law enforcement. We love law enforcement. We love our police officers, 99.9999% of them. We love those guys because they protect us. They enforce the laws of the government that we have to submit to. They enforce that. They protect us. And uh, we need to respect them and honor them. I hope we do. I know our church does. We show them that we do. Whenever we get pulled over, we give them the plan of salvation. Isn't that right, brother? I think. <laughs> no, we, we, we demonstrate. We bring them cookies and gifts. We go out there and show them that we love them. We appreciate them. They, they're, good to, you know, they're pretty glad to see that. Because these days are not very appreciated in a lot of places. But we like to, like to show them that we, that, that we love them. So that's, and that's great. God does not select the leaders in every case of every country. I think he does when it's, in, <clears throat> when it's needful for his plan to succeed. Yes. Uh, God will put the guy in charge because he thinks things need to happen and ask the guy that's going to make them happen. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. <laughs> well, how come? No, things are going to happen. <laughs> things are happening now. You've got to keep in mind God's plan is going to go forth. Yes. And God's going to use leaders different countries, whatever it takes, to make it go forth. It's going forth. Amen. If you study your Bible, it's going forth. We don't like it sometimes because it kind of grates us the wrong way, but it's going forth. God's using that. So there's, there's two reasons, mainly two reasons, why we need to observe society's laws. First, it's a matter of conscience. It's a sin to break the law. Anybody experienced that before? The, that conscience thing? Nobody. I have. You all, you all pray for me. I've, I've experienced that. Oh, this, is, this probably isn't good. This probably may be illegal or something. I should probably start doing, doing this. Yeah, I won't do it next time. But, um, yeah. It's our conscience. We know when we're doing wrong. Right. Don't we, kids? Yes. And the second is, in order to prevent the wrath, the penalty of violating the law. How many have experienced that before? Yeah. I haven't. I have. I told you about Jackson County, Missouri. I'm banned. 
from that entire county because I drove a truck through there. There wasn't safe according to the county mounty there. But anyways, no, the sheriff is the sheriff that pulled, pulled me over. Same, same. Yeah, pulled me over. Smoked a bear hat, bear glasses, mustache. <laughs> you and a whole heap of trouble boy guy, you know, one of those guys. Yeah, they're out there, man. Missouri. Put me, in a, put me in a lockup for a little while. So I'm a felon. In verses 6 and 7, he talked about paying tribute. That's taxes. Ooh. We got to pay taxes. Did Jesus pay taxes? Yes, he did. I'm looking for that kind of fish he found. But they're not around this area. Paying tribute, custom, fear, and honor. We got to give them honor where honors do. We can't be disrespectful. I hate to say I'm, I'm smiling on the outside, but I'm frowning on the inside sometimes. But uh, we got to give them honor. We got to respect them, because God put that institution in place, that thing called the law, or law enforcement, or uh, society, society. Um, uh, institution, the, the, the laws and the requirements and the, everything that's there is there to keep order. Christians are not to be involved in subversive, subversive activities against the government. Amen. We're, not to be, we're not to do that. How do we overthrow the government? Vote. Vote. If it counts. If it counts. <laughs> the, the, the qualifier, yeah. <laughs> If and when it counts, vote. Well, we, we still vote. It's someone else's responsibility yeah. to make it count. Yeah, yes. yeah that's, that's on someone else there. Amen. But we got the, the responsibility to vote. We don't like it. We vote them. We vote against them, and, and they're still here. But uh, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start, up, let's start up with verse number 8 here. That's where we left off a couple weeks ago. Verse number 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another... For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Owe no man anything. Payment of all debts. I'm not going to ask how many people are in debt in some form or another, but a lot of us are. Some of us aren't. Pay my house off, pay my car off, pay my truck off. But you pay utilities forever. Yeah, pay those forever. But don't. it doesn't mean don't take on the debt. It just means when you do, pay it. Nothing wrong. I mean, look at housing prices around here. Got six hundred thousand dollars you can buy a house. How are you going to save that much money? You have to go in debt, but it's responsible is to pay that back. Okay, that's what he's talking about here. Owe no man anything. Don't fall behind. Payment of all debts, including taxes. Taxes. Okay. And that commandment summed up in this, this one thing, that a man loves others as he loves himself. This applies to all commandments, this, uh, that a man loves others as he loves himself. There are ten commandments. There's two tables. There are four commandments that pertain to God. Our relationship to God. Thou shalt not have other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take uh, the name of the Lord God in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Then there's six commandments about man's relationship to man. Honor thy father and mother. 
Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. And Paul sums these up here in verse number 9. Let's read that. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in, the, in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So Paul made a distinction here in verse 9 of talking about these man to man, these commandments towards man, towards our fellow man, towards our neighbor. That's what Paul was talking about here. Christian life is fulfilled not by keeping a list of commandments. We know what's right and wrong, and who tells us what's right and wrong? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit does. God's Word. But if we're in doubt, when we get to chapter 14, you'll hear more about that. When we're in doubt, the Holy Spirit. We're in chapter 13, brother sister everybody um, Christian life is having a consciousness about our love towards everybody else and this is fulfilled by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit there's folks that I couldn't love if I was up to me Christians I couldn't love them it was up to, up to me but I can through Christ and I do through Christ Some of these faces we were able to see in California, Nevada, we didn't really want to see them. <laughs> I mean, it's good to see faces, but some of them, man, the pass back on, but he, you know, they've been pretty, pretty unkept for the several months we've been, you know, they, they've been in, in lockdown and they pull them off and go, oh, man, didn't you take care of yourself just in case you could take your mask? No. Some of them are pretty ragged looking, California, Nevada. Anyways, how to get off on that? Anyways, verse number 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Love. We need to love our brethren. Amen. We get into chapter 14 here, I don't forget there today or not, maybe just the intro. We're going to learn a little, bit, a little bit more about that. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Love would seek to do our neighbor good. If we did our neighbor good and they did their neighbor good, it would prevent all kinds of dishonesty towards one another, wouldn't it? It would lead to justice and truth and benevolence if everybody treated everybody like they should. If this law were engraved in every man's heart and practiced in his life, boy, what an immediate change there would be how many plans of fraud and dishonesty would be just, just stopped? Amen. How many schemes would fall flat for everybody love one another? It would silence the voice of the liar, the slanderer, the disruptor. It would silence them. It put an end to cheating and fraud and all these schemes, Amen. all this stuff. It would put an end to that. Wouldn't it be a great society to live in? The list goes on and on and on. You can count all the things that would, that would be prevented, be stopped, wouldn't exist if man just loved one another the way God wants them to. Verse number 11. And that, knowing the time, 
that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Paul mentions a spiritual condition here. It's called sleep. Not the sleep, the little Z's coming up, you know. Sleep. It's a spiritual condition. A person, a Christian that sleeps is in a state of insensibility. A Christian that sleeps doesn't know what's going on around them. Paul says, wake up. Oh, we're getting into wokeism. That's not what he's talking about. <laughs> the other kind of awake. Amen. When you're paying attention. Wake up. It's high time to wake out of sleep. Get up and pay attention and see what's going on. Amen. Don't be insensible. Don't be immune to everything and, and oblivious to everything. Wake up, Christians. It's a state of inactivity. The sleeper's doing nothing. Doesn't know what's going on. You know when some Christians are in trouble? They don't know what's going on. Even in their own spiritual life, they don't know what's going on. They're asleep. It's a state of illusion. The dreamer and the sleeper are, are identical as to their state. Sleeper and the dreamer. He says, salvation is nearer than when we first believed. We can say that every minute of the day, couldn't we? Amen. But the meaning here probably means that deliverance from sin and danger of sin uh, awaits us in heaven. That deliverance, we're going to be delivered one day. Jesus Christ is going to come down, we're going to go up. We're going to be delivered from this world. This world's still going to be here for a little while. We're going to be out of it. We're going to be delivered from that. And we get to heaven, none of this stuff's going to exist. We're going to be there with Jesus. Every person's salvation is nearer as life unfolds. I've been saved for over 46 years, and uh, it's getting near. I'm waiting for the rapture, brother. Amen. Didn't used to when I was younger, because I had a life to live and a career, you know what I mean? Oh, Lord, you can wait a while. Now that I'm older and see what's going to come on, come quickly. Amen. Any of you like that? Younger folks? Hey, can wait a while. I want to get married, have kids, have family, work a while, you know. But now, kids are gone, retired, need a vacation from retirement. I mean, come quickly. I'm done. You know, I, you know, anytime. Then when we believe, it means when we began to believe. When did we begin to believe? When we got saved. We began to believe. And every day brings us nearer. Verse number 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What's the armor of light? That's the gospel. <clears throat> the armor of light. Paul uses a lot of metaphors, night and day, sleep and waking out of sleep, uh, rising in the morning to... Uh, do our daily life. Verse 12 kind of alludes to the person uh, throwing off their bedclothes, their blankets, like I did about 10 o'clock last night, <laughs> and just just sauteed all night. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> Bad. A tough night last night. 
Even the cats didn't because they were just too tired. Why would you wear a fur coat this time of year? Anyways, but um, yeah, they were inactive. It was great. They were just laying around. Drink the water. Drink the water. Go get it yourself. Um, it was hot. Man. I don't know how I got out of this. Anyways, uh, the day at hand doesn't mean the judgment. It means right now. The day is right now. The gospel age. The age of grace. That's right now. This is when we can be useful to God. Amen? Amen? Right now. This present time. The day is at hand. This is the day. This is the day. Cast off works of darkness. means all the evil works which are opposite to light. To God. That oppose Christ. Who is the light of the world. We have the whole armor of God in Ephesians chapter 5. You know, truth, of right, truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. We also have the, the armor of light. That's the gospel. We shine that Amen. armor of light on people and see if we can you know, show them the gospel. Verse 13 let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness and not in chambering and, and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Let us walk honestly as in the day. What does that mean, as in the day? Well, what is daytime now? Now, it means exposed. You need to watch your Christian walk. Why? People are looking. We don't know who they are, where they are, how they are, anything about it, but we know they're looking at us. Right. People that know you're a Christian, they are watching you. Right. People, my, my neighbors here, our garage door open up twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday, and uh, you know, they see us go to church. Um, they don't talk to us, <laughs> but, but they know we go to church. It's in the day. Our lives are in the day. Let us walk honestly. The Christian walk is sometimes called our conversation. Our conversation is our manner of life. Look at, uh, look at Philippians chapter number 1. Paul was concerned about their manner of life, their conduct. Uh, them walking honestly as in the day, not doing the stuff that happens at night. Why does stuff like that happen at night? All the drunkenness and all People can't see you. Good folks are home and stifling in their hot beds, but people out are in all these, you know, uh, taverns and stuff, or wherever, wherever they're at. They're doing it at night because they don't want to be seen. Right. Unless you're in Reno. Then you're in the daytime doing it because that's what everybody does. You can't go anywhere. They got casino slot machines and phone booths there. I mean, it's just ridiculous. They got gambling everywhere. I hate it. I was down in Las Vegas several years ago. We were down there looking at a bus that they had down there that we were thinking about buying a brand name. And we were staying at a casino. Didn't like this big old casino. 
and I went downstairs. I'm an early riser. I went downstairs, and you cannot sit down. There was no chairs in the lobby, just slot machines. And I sat down at one, just kind of sideways. I was cautioned by a law enforcement person, you can't sit there unless you're putting money in that machine. I said, I got to pay to park here? I mean, what's, what's the deal? And he uh, said, no, you can't sit there unless you're gambling. I didn't go into my deal about it. it's a gamble sitter anyways. But anyways, uh, I, I had to stand up for an hour or so. No place to sit down, no chairs. You had to gamble. If you're going to sit down, it's going to cost you a quarter. Wherever you got to put it, I don't know what it is. And you can't even call anybody you put a quarter in the All you got to do is pull this. You know, what's that all about? But they're everywhere. Casinos and everything. Man, I don't like it down there. But I wasn't down there for that. Anyways, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Talking about our conversation. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That when I come and see you, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you what? Stand fast in the Spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Look at 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Our conversation, our manner of life. Let us walk honestly. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12. Paul talking to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be you, but be thou an example of the believers in the world in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And one more look at 1 Peter chapter number 2. They use this word conversation a lot. I used to think that was the, the way I talked. You gotta talk right. And that's what it does mean, but it encompasses everything, our whole manner of life. Our conversation, the way we, the way we act, the way we do things, people are watching us. First Peter chapter number two, verse number twelve. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak uh, against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. People see your testimony, and that's what you need to guard is your testimony. That's valuable. Amen. If you ever lose it, you'll know how valuable it was and how hard it is to get it back. Guard your testimony. People are watching. Oh, I thought you were a Christian. And you did this and so or said this and so. You know, and you say, well, God forgave you. They're not going to forgive you necessarily. Kind of get that in the back of the mind. they got to see a difference between you and them to make them... Boy, I wish I was like that guy. I wish I was a Christian. I wish I could go through that and have the grace that he has. I wonder how he does that. You know? And you can wear that little sign on the back of your shirt. Ask me about being a Christian. You know? People want to know what's going on. How come you act that way? If you're the same as they are, you say, oh, it's great to be saved. Well, really? What's the difference? Yeah, Got to guard the testament. That's what Paul's talking about. Walk honestly as in the day. Don't do these things, this rioting and drinking all sorts. Don't do that. People need to see your conversation. Honestly, in becoming uh, a manner, honestly, becoming. Honestly is doing things in a manner that's appropriate. Honestly. I like honest, honesty. I like people that are honest. Uh, 
You don't always have that. People have an agenda or something, but I like honest people. You okay, brother? I thought you were coughing or something, having us. <laughs> As in the day, all of our actions are seen and known. People, by day, in open light, they see us. Because we're seen. Not in writing, revolting, reveling. Not drunkenness. Not lewd, immodest behavior. Not in strife, contention, disputes, all this stuff. The exhortation is to live in peace, not in envying, not in intense quarrels, contention, destructive acts that come out of these things that people do at night sometimes. Not in envy. Verse number 14, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ Make not a provision for the flesh. Paul had already mentioned in verse number 12, let's read that again, the night is far spent, the days of hand, therefore let us cast off the works of righteousness and let us put on the armor of light. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the armor of light. Put that on. Don't give the flesh an opportunity to fall. How do you do that? Don't go where you shouldn't go. Don't be around the things you shouldn't do. Uh, it's a effort. Oh, I'm strong. I had a preacher one time. He was a he was an evangelist back when I was in Escondido. He uh, he was a tavern preacher. He went in the back door of taverns and preached and all the way till the bouncer threw him out. That was his ministry. He'd go back and do it again the next day. Good guy. Funny guy. But his, his, he hated taverns. Man, he thought those were the worst things in the world. He'd travel all over the place. Looking for a bar or a tavern. He'd walk in the back door. Start preaching the gospel. And he said it'd take you know, four or five seconds. He'd be out. You know? Loved it. Yeah. I wouldn't try that. Because they serve alcohol there. That's wrong. And I wouldn't do that because I'm chicken. I didn't want to be in those places. You can't see when you get in there. Man, you got to have your night vision goggles on to even walk through the place, you know. And the bouncer's there. What's this guy got a tie on, a suit on. What's he doing here? What's that thing in his hand? It's a little black book. Beep, 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 beep. You know, they got to get you out of there real fast. You know, he did that. That was his ministry. It's great. He talked about it all the time. I mean, he gets in these bars, almost got through the gospel. He starts yelling as soon as he gets in there, you know, a plan of salvation. We're all sinners. We're, you know, boy, these drunks don't want to hear that. That was his ministry. That's a funny ministry, isn't it? That's what he did. He preached at our church when I was, when I was down there in California. It was funny. Small guy, kind of thin. Looks like he's been beat up a few times. He didn't mind. Got this one down in San Diego. You know, he's a funny guy. But we've got to stay away from places where we might get in trouble. That's what he's talking about. Put on Christ and make not provision for the flesh. Amen. Did you know that 
We still live in this body of flesh. We still battle the flesh. You know how much uh, flesh we deal with? As much as you let. Much flesh, flesh as you let influence your body. That's what happens. God, Paul says, stay away from that. Make not provision. If you're not there, you won't think it. If you don't see it, you won't worry about it. You know, all those things, stay away from that. Amen. We should not make it an object of our life to gratify, to gratify flesh, our desires. The flesh, the word flesh is used to talk about the corrupt propensities of the body. We're corrupt. How come we had to get saved? Because we're corrupt. We're lost. We're, we're corrupted by this. His flesh is corrupt. So Paul's saying that. Don't, don't give your flesh the opportunity to fall because what's it going to do? It's going to fall. Well, I'm stronger than that. Yeah. Who are you fighting? You're fighting yourself, the world, the devil. You're fighting all those things in your little body. Eventually, eventually you're going to go down. You've got to be careful. I was going to start chapter 14, but I won't get more than just the first couple lines here. But I'm going to talk about what we're going to talk about. How many of you have scruples? I know it sounds like a breakfast cereal. <laughs> but chapter 14 of Romans is all about scruples. In chapter 12, we talked about the various moral obligations we had in chapter 12. Chapter 13, we talked about what we talked about, societal obligations. Chapter 14, we're going to be talking about uh, how church members should treat each other regarding differences and different opinions. This is going to be fun. Amen. We've been around a lot of different churches. We were, we were military, so we were in, I was in 13 different churches and, you know, until 96. Came, we came here, but I was in a lot of different churches. We experienced a lot of things. I'll reveal some of those to you. Christians are not always nice people. Right. Any of you notice that? Yes. Any of you like that? <laughs> no. They're out there. They're not nice. And it's because of insignificant, trivial scruples or beliefs. But the unity of the church and the unity of the church and the uniformity of the church is necessary. If everybody's the pastor, then where's the leadership? But the ability of, the ability of a Christian church to survive when there's strong differences of opinions that tend to disrupt unity, Paul gives specific instructions on how to deal with that. We've been there. You might have been there. Strong disruptions, strong differences. And that takes over the church sometimes if you let it. We've got that T-shirt. I mean, we weren't the ones causing the problem, but we've lived through a few of those. Almost here. Yeah. Strong differences of opinion. It becomes the topic of the church. Jesus is replaced by what you should wear. Big thing. Yes. And Paul says we can't do that. 
You spend all your time on that and you forget what you're here for. So chapter 14 talks about matters that are indifferent. We're not talking about doctrinal or scriptural or essential matters. We're talking about things that don't make any difference. You can argue them all day long. They don't make a bit of difference. They don't get anybody saved and they don't give you any spiritual growth. They don't uh, uh, exemplify Christ. They don't do anything. Amen. They disrupt. And that's what was going on in chapter number 14. So, and this problem is, is confronted every church and every generation. There's always somebody or some people have a different, of an, different opinion about something, and they, they got to try to change everybody else. Paul says, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. So Romans 14 is part of the doctrinal, I mean, part of the, the practical part of Romans. The doctrine was all through chapter 11, and then we're now we're getting the, the practical lessons about church. Scruples, let me define that for you. It's not a breakfast cereal. It sounds like it'd be a good one, wouldn't it? Scruples or scrumptious? I mean, I, I could write the ad for that. It's all sugar. That's okay. You know, what isn't? Anyways, a scruple is a dictate of your conscience that inhibits your action. Did you catch that? Amen. It's a dictate of your conscience that inhibits your actions. Scruples involve things that are morally neutral, okay, in themselves, but they affect your conscience. Back in the day, in the days of the 70s and the 80s or the 90s, we called them convictions. Anybody ever heard that word before? I got a conviction about that. That's fine. Go on and have it. We get in trouble when your conviction becomes my problem. That's what we're going to talk about in this chapter. So we call them convictions and we call them preferences. A conviction was something that you were willing to die for. I'm not willing to die about wearing a tie to church. Amen. I prefer to wear one, but I ain't going to die for it. I may die wearing one, but I'm not going to die it on purpose. I mean, uh, that's a preference. But people, especially back in the 70s and 80s, it was tough in churches. You had to meet all these demands. You had to meet all these things to be considered spiritual. It was wrong. Yes. It was wrong back in Romans. Paul said it was wrong. Okay? Conviction is hard. Believe that so hard and fast, that's all that matters to you. It's in your mind. It's a scruple. You believe it, that's fine. You do it then. I have scruples. And I do them. I don't tell everybody else, hey, you can't be doing that. No. Scruples are strongly held beliefs that don't affect everybody else's conscience at the same time. Amen. It's a personal thing. And I'll give you some examples next week. We'll delve into this, do this a little bit more. But it it's, talks about Christian attire, Christian appearance, all these things that are unimportant for salvation. I was in a church man uh, back in Tacoma. 
strong, strong, independent, fundamental Bible-believing, tail-stomping Baptist. You know, we were really strong. But they, man, if you didn't measure up, you were less than spiritual. Guy comes in, long hair off the street, wants to get saved or off the bus or something, you know. Boy, next thing you know, he's attacked by three or four guys. Three-piece suits. Bottom button on the vest is unbuttoned. Wingtip shoes. Banaka. I mean, that's the way it was. And they get this guy, and the next day he's got a haircut in a three-piece suit. Because that was their scruples. That was their convictions. Everybody had to follow it. Did that guy grow in grace? No. He went down to the community church where they had a band. It's serious stuff. And Amen. like I said, maybe you haven't lifted that, but we have. A lot of us have. It destroys churches. We've seen it. Um, so it's an interesting lesson here, chapter 14. How do you deal with that? Amen. It talks about the weak Christian. And then there's a, uh, an implied strong Christian. Who are they? Got to come back next week. It's not who you think it is. Not who you think it is. I'll give you a clue. The weak guy has the scruples. What? Next week. <laughs> Tune in. Or you'll never know. They should buy my CD. <laughs> Just kidding. But it's an important lesson, and, and, and I'm, I'm glad I studied this because, boy, I could have used this, you know, 30 years ago or so. 